Right. All right. Some things have to be done by fasting and praying, and so that the spirit, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Jesus had to be tempted. At a certain point, the scriptures are saying that that Jesus had to be tempted, and that was him going out fulfilling scripture. Also, the devil, who's not an angel, but most of all, he's not God. Well, he's not an angel anymore, as we see angels. But he's not God, so he doesn't know everything. That's right. So he may actually be in a situation where he thinks he can win. You know, he may actually think he can win. But Jesus had to do this, so not just so spirit the, the scripture would be fulfilled, but so that those who wrote it down could write to us who were going to come hundreds and thousands of years later that this is what happened when the devil, who's still going to be here, when we get here, when he met up against Jesus. Mm -hmm. All right? Because Jesus was not, he was not supposed to be standing here on earth walking around when we got here. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit who's supposed to be here. But we're supposed to be able to hear that testimony, read that testimony, see how Jesus went through this as a human being before his ministry got up and kicking and going good. All right? As a human being. Against Satan himself. So that with that testimony we'd be armed. With the knowledge of how the situation would turn out. So as chapter 9 opened we see that the, the atmosphere is somber. We see that people are serious. We went from chapter 8 and this great joy and celebration. To chapter 9 with this somber consecration. The two words that we see there in verse 1 are fasting. And then we see another word, sackcloth and earth upon them. The people had sackcloth on and they put earth upon themselves. What does that mean? Who can tell me what sackcloth is? Sack, sackcloth is a, um, it's something you wear and it's made of something natural. I'm going to give you a hint. It's in the word. Sack, sack. cloth. Cloth made of sack. It's a, it's right. It's uncomfortable clothing that people wear when they're um, in despair. Like, not mourning, but um, kind of That's part of humbling themselves before the Lord. Right. It, it, and, and they do it in mourning. Sackcloth, sackcloth is cloth made out of sacks. If anybody here ever know, you ever seen burlap? Mm -hmm. It's a very rough, coarse fiber that people make sacks out of. Put uh, corn and flour and rice and stuff yeah. in a burlap sack. You don't make clothes out of burlap. Just like Sister Arlena said, it's too itchy. It's too rough. It will irritate you. Mm -hmm. But the Israelites and the Jews and the and 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 the people of God. They were putting that on. This was their tradition. They put earth on their head, dirt on their head. Okay, they put sackcloth on. They took away their comfort. And then they took away their own food. Things that they needed, they put to the side. Things that they wanted and desired, they put to the side. So that they may consecrate themselves and seriously focus, as Sister Elena said, uh, what all the else, on what it was they were trying to obtain. What were the people trying to obtain? Anybody? 
Repentance. <laughs> brother Joshua. <laughs> Go ahead, Brother Joshua. And Amen. then Sister Laney. Poor kid. Well, I, I was just saying repentance, you know, a, a state of really, a state of not only not returning to where they were before, but it, like uh, the teacher said, everything they did is self-denial, you know, no food, um, no hygiene, you know, all stuff that we, that's generally us just focusing on ourselves all to take the time to focus on God, saying that he takes precedence over everything else. Mm. You know, in a sense almost to obtain his attention, you know, to say, we're serious about this. We mean this. Please hear us. Okay. Okay. Sister Elena? I think, I was, I was saying repentance. I think uh, the pastor's highlighting the answer right now. In, chat, in verse 2, it says that, um, they confess their sins and iniquities of their fathers. So, I, I, it, I feel like that's what the purpose of the sackcloth and ashes is, is to be repentant for what they've done. And then I think it's interesting that it also says, and the iniquities of their fathers. Like, I just wonder why that's something they're confessing. Because it's not their sins. Oh. I thought that was interesting that they were doing their sins, but also the people who came before them, they're confessing their sins to the Lord. Okay. So we see here in chap in verse 2 that they're not just confessing their own sins, but they're confessing the sins of their fathers. Mm -hmm. In the law, here in the in the law that we read last week, the who was the ones that were sinning? Who were the ones that were turning their, their backs on God and God would issue a punishment on them? The children of Israel. And how did the children of Israel, how were they related to the people that we see in chapter 9? The Jews came out of the children of Israel. Right. They were their fathers. They came out of Israel. Okay. And as we go down to the, at, to the next few verses, we're about to start seeing why, the question that Sister Arlena asked, why they were confessing the sins of their fathers. So we see, first of all, we see a perfect example of what happens when, a per when you repent. This is a picture of repentance. First, you may not celebrate, but chapter 9 shows the repentance part. First, you get yourself sober and solemn, fasting, denying yourself, sackcloth and ashes, putting off what you desire. And then confessing your sins. Not only did they confess the sins that they did. It says in chapter in verse 2. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers. And stood, confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. What is iniquity? Unforgiven sins. Unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. Unconfessing. And unconfessed sin is generally unforgiving sin. That's right. But when you don't even confess it, how can you be forgiven for something you haven't you haven't repented for? How can you be forgiven if you don't ask for repentance? And that speaks to what's in your heart too. If you don't think you need to confess it, very you know, good. But that speaks said to that how it. you feel about what you did. Like you don't think if you don't think it's that big of a deal, why would you say sorry? Or if you don't think 
if you think what you're doing is justified, you really feel no need to confess. Right. Why apologize for something you did right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, can anybody tell, uh, can anybody think of a reason to apologize for something you did right? Well, no. Um, not a reason to. Some people do it, but it may be like uh, emotional, you know. The attitude uh, you had, maybe. The, yeah. I mean, not, not, not necessarily, but I'm saying just being technical. Sometimes, as a man, it is hard to act when you don't understand all the variables. Like, you may have to give some tough love to somebody. And you may feel, as a man, apologetic for it. But if you know it's the right thing, even though you're apologetic in that moment, you're still doing, you know in your heart you're doing the right thing. So sometimes as men, are, um, we have a sensitivity to temporal pain, you know, so we, we may be apologetic about that. I wasn't trying to find a gray area there. Just... Question, do women have a, a, a need for that as well? Or is that just a man thing? Men and women. I need for... What's up? What? No, for feeling, for feeling sorry that you had to apply tough love to somebody. Do you think women also have that feeling? Yes. I, yeah. I would imagine so. I imagine that's a people a thing. Yeah. More than a man or woman thing, I think that's a people thing. You know, when you mean right and you mean good for the person to whom you apply justice or tough love, as you said... When that heart is broken or that spirit is made to be contrite, when that defiance finally leaves, you have the celebration. But what's left behind, that broken spirit, yeah. that hurting, how many single mothers out there don't have a man in the house and have to put their sons in their, in their, in their place yeah. and then have to look at that same son and what, not, not be sorry that she had to... To apply justice or discipline. Maybe she's not sorry for the justice, but she does empathically feel that pain. Yeah. All right? That's and good. the thing about God that we can learn from God is he is not going to withhold justice. He's not going to apply mercy without justice. Mm. All right? Remember when we talked about uh, David? David's problem was that he loved with, with Absalom. He loved Absalom. He, he loved to apply mercy to Absalom. But he did not apply justice. Yeah. Justice with, I mean, mercy without justice is coddling. It's enabling. Yeah. It's not good. That's good. But then again, justice without mercy, that can be cruelty. Okay, good. just like uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy used to say that uh, truth without compassion is brutality. You know what I'm saying? So as we look here, we see that the, the people are confessing their sins. They're putting their sins out there. And they're not just confessing their own sins. But you know what? Just in case this thing uh, that our fathers did applies to us. Because remember, there's a proverb in, in Israel that the sins of the father will be applied to the children. So they were, they were repenting for the things their fathers had done. Think back. Or, or actually, in this case, this is in Nehemiah. Think forward. What did the Pharisees say when they when uh, they wanted to crucify the the blood of this man is going to be on your hands? Pilate's talking. This is an innocent man now. What did they say? May his blood be on us and on our children. Mm -hmm. Ooh. 
us and our children. That's how convinced they were that they were not doing the right thing. I mean, that they were doing the right thing. Or at least that they were doing what they wanted to do. Uh, what the delusion. Go ahead. No, it's not the delusion. Because in your mind, being at a certain place where you are so caught up with how, how you feel and what you want to where you think that is right, that it is the will of God, it's because it's what you want. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's a good that's a good point, brother Joshua. We can't yes. be so con I mean, I'm sorry, brother Louise. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> we can't be so convinced that our thoughts and our schemes and our plans are the right thing that we're not open to listening to see if we might be wrong in a part. Because if you're wrong in a part, you can mess up the whole. There's an illustration in EE that they use called the uh, the bad egg. Yeah. Right, how many here has ever smelled a rotten egg? Mm -hmm. Do they smell bad? Yes. Very. Very bad. If I was going to make an omelet for everybody here and I cracked, I cracked a dozen eggs, maybe two, that's 24 eggs, but one of the eggs is rotten. Do you think if I stirred that rotten egg in with the other eggs... That it would dissipate enough so that, you know, the rest of it would be okay? No. You'd still smell that egg. That rotten egg. You'd taste it too. And instead of your thoughts being of delicious omelet, it would be of that nasty dead thing that I left in the mix. That's why you can't mix a little bit of bad with a whole bunch of good. That is why God's forgiveness for us, where Jesus is concerned, washes us clean. That's why, unlike other religions, we can't earn our salvation. Because a little bit of us in the mix, the judgment has to come against that little bit of us. But when Jesus washes us clean, it's no longer us that's being judged anymore. It's Christ. You see? So these first three verses, all right, the first two verses sets up the whole rest of the chapter. And in the rest of the chapter, the Levites are talking. Uh, whoever is up there, it's uh, they, they even named some, then stood up in their place and read the book of the law of the Lord, their God, one-fourth part of the day. And another fourth part, they confessed. So a fourth of the day, people, uh, they read the law to the people. The second fourth of the day, the people spent that time confessing. And then, what did they do? Then they worshiped the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's how repentance is supposed to go. It's not just, I'm sorry, and then you go about your business. First, you stop what you're doing. You acknowledge that you've done wrong. And how did they do it? They, they showed their focus. I'm not going to eat because I need to eat. I'm not going to wear fine linen. I'm wearing sackcloth because I desire to be comfortable. And now, I'm, going to sh I'm not going to take that comfort. Then they did the other. That was physical. Then they did the same thing spiritually. They confessed their sins. Why is it important to confess your sins? Because where your spirit and your mind, where, where your heart is concerned, that's the same thing as fasting and praying. Why do people lie? Because they're afraid that that truth will expose who they are, that spirit becomes vulnerable to the judgment of others. And where hunger and discomfort is bad for the, the body, the judgment of others 
becomes bad for the spirit, for the soul, for the mind. So you confess and you take away any excuse you could have. Once that happens, once all the confession is made, then the law is written. The people read the law, verse 3, they confess their sins and then they worship God. The whole rest of the chapter, they're talking about the things that God did. That was the homework. How do people repay God's faithfulness? In this chapter, they repaid his faithfulness by repenting of their sins. Confessing and worshiping God. The whole rest of the chapter, they talk about how God was faithful. They started off talking about how God was faithful to Abraham and separated the, the people uh, Abraham from his nation, from his family, from his people, because he was righteous. They talked about God with how he separated and protected the people from Israel. They talked about how he protected them in the wilderness. And then how he gave his law. Then he gave them bread from heaven, fed them in the wilderness with miracles. Then the people talked about what? How did the people repay those, those, that faithfulness to God? Anybody. The wilderness, Egypt, everything. How did God, they repay that? With quick complaining. Complaining. Down in these same verses, they were arrogant. They forgot his miracles. They made a calf. Idolatry. All right, how did God, how did God uh, do it? We already said he gave food, even after the calf. Gave food. Mm -hmm. He gave water. He gave them land. He gave them descendants. He gave them mercy. He gave them a kingdom. How did they re re uh, repay that That. That right there, what he gave them. More defiance. Mm -hmm. They became stiff-necked. They would not listen. How did God repay, repay that? When they threw out his laws, then they killed his prophets, then they cried out in distress because God gave them to the nations around them. Mm -hmm. right. They cried out in distress, and what, what did God do? He sent so, saviors. Mm -hmm. He sent judges. He sent his mercy. And by the time the rest of the chapter is talking about that, it laid, please go back and read that again. You're going to love it. Read it in more than one version if you can, because it really stands up. And then finally, as we get to the end there, can you think of any examples in our history from Adam till now? Everybody, think of an example, or even in your life. Can you think of examples of how God's faithfulness has been repaid to him, either by the United States uh, or by Christians in general or, 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 or by mankind? How, how would you say God's faithfulness has been uh, repaid by people in general? One of the first examples I think of with the United States is our laws and certain things that we promote above other things like um, you know, uh, same-sex marriage and what was done regarding that when that got passed. You know, they rainbowed the White House. They made a rainbow out of Niagara Falls. They made it a monument thing, uh, passing something that I think uh, it was Farrakhan who said it. He said that Obama is not evil, but he is the first president to openly... Um, permit something God directly 
despises. Something to that effect. Mm -hmm. But um, just how God's mercies are shown even today. You know, with all that's happening, some could just view it as wrath, but you see God's mercy with ourselves. You know, you, you see certain relief sent. You see certain things being allowed in your life. You, you look, people get so caught up in looking at everyone that's dying and forget the fact that they're still alive. Right. So, um, you know, I think that's an example of where, as a nation claiming to be one nation under God, he is not the driving force behind everything that's done until things get bad. Then you can't think about anything else. So I think us as a nation, just like Israel. Okay. Anybody else quick? It would have to be quick, though. Um, um, I, Sister Elaine. I think us as a people, too, black people in general, um, when we look at how we got over the Negro spirituals, the marches, I mean, there was the any by any means necessary approach, but that's not what made was effective. Absolutely. The thing that was effective was the prayers, was the peace, was people like Martin Luther King and people joining and doing things God's way. So God did all of that for us, but then we look at us as on not all black people, but as as a people, we're regarded in a certain way. Because many of us have allowed ourselves to become um, servants to the God of this world. So that's what's being publicized. Mm -hmm. So when you see a black person on television, it's always going to be that negative connotation. And you're going to have that be the image that represents us. And then a lot of children and people who don't have God in their homes are following those images. So it's like at one point we had a certain image and we had a certain faith and we were known for, whereas now sometimes even this generation looks down on the older saints or right. people who just hold the standard of the Bible. So I think that's another way, because God, we're where we are because of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I know it was the prayers and the uh, people who trusted God and looked to him to bring us out of slavery and to bring us out of where we were. So all of those things that we went through as a people it look it it can come across that our repay our pay repayment our repayment the way we repay God for bringing us where we are <laughs> able to be in the positions we're in and all the way to the White House we kind of just don't even acknowledge him the way we did at one point. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So as we, as we look at chapter 9, what we want to take from chapter 9 is the beginning, which is how Israel or how the people of God, the Jews, um, this is Jerusalem and Judah at this point, how they repented. We're looking at a picture of repentance in the first three verses. The rest of the chapter, I'm very much encouraging everybody to go back and read that because it's talking about specifics about how God was faithful and how the people reacted to that. Um, our homework for next week, all right, the end of all of this was a covenant. They sealed a covenant with God. As a matter of fact, that the last ver verse says, and because of all this, we make sure we make sure a covenant and write it 
and our princes, Levites, and priests seal unto it. We want to look at who made the covenant. That's the first question. Who made the covenant? And the second question is, what are the conditions of the covenant? Okay? So for chapter 10, be able to talk about what, who made the covenant in chapter 10. And then what are the conditions of that covenant? Do we have any questions for the homework? There being no questions for the homework at this time, we're going to ask Sister Adia, is there any announcements, Every uh, general announcements from the church? Everything's standard. Okay, we have standard announcements from the church. At this time, we're going to turn over to the hands of the pastor. Let's receive a saying, praise the Lord. Praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord. Praise the Lord.